Welcome to another episode of What's Up with DJ. If this is your first time tuning in, my name is DJ. Each week, I bring you topics about current events, career development, holistic living, life hacks, and stories of inspiration and humor. So be sure to subscribe, like, comment, and review the show. Your comments are always encouraged and appreciated. And I want to say thank you to individuals who, listeners who have been uh, liking and commenting and sharing. I really appreciate uh, the energy that you've been putting into the show. So I like to start each episode with, with a segment called What's Still Cooking? It gives me a chance to highlight things that I may have watched, read, or experienced over the last week that still may be lingering on my mind. So what's still cooking for me? So I recently saw a new video from Iggy Azalea. She is a rapper. Um, she had a hit song some years ago named Fancy. But she has a new video out now called I Am The Strip Club. And she's drawn some criticism for this video because people are saying that she is, she looks black in the video. That's what some people are saying. I saw the video. I think she kind of looks like Kim Kardashian in the video <laughs> to me. Um, she has uh, black hair and you can notice that her pigmentation is a little bit darker than previous videos. And people are calling this black fishing, you know, and one of the things that I had to ask is what's the difference between the difference between black fishing and cultural appropriation. So there is a, um, a woman by the name of a journalist called Juana Thompson, and she's uh, talking, speaking out about um, this term black fishing, which basically means that when white public, um, public figures are influencers, they are appearing to be black and on TikTok or in social media and their videos, and they don't really understand the concepts and the ideas or the experience of African-Americans, but they are appropriating the image of African-American people. And uh, others are saying, hey, what you're doing also is you are sexualizing a culture of people and without having to deal with the consequences of those, um, of those images that you're putting out there, all those uh, ideas, concepts, um, just all around you know, characteristics and attributes. When I guess non-Black people or non-colored people are tanning their skin excessively are to attempt to achieve some kind of ambiguity uh, wearing hairstyles and clothing trends that have been pioneered by black women they are sort of appearing to be in blackface and you know this is not a one you know a a um a one-sided thing people have also uh criticized little kim for appearing to for lightening her skin and other individuals in the mainstream that have appeared to have lightened their skin. I think even some years ago, Beyonce was accused of this as well in some of her ads for CoverGirl. So um, this uh, trend of 
of darkening your skin, lightening your skin in order to um, perpetuate a certain um, demographic is something that has always plagued um, the black community in a way that has led to so some dis dysfunction um, uh, and some disease in the African-American community. So do you feel as though celebrities uh, are TikTok or social media influencers um, changing their skin coloring, or darkening their skin or projecting um, African-American attributes just to get attention is a problem. I'm sure most people, most African-Americans would say, yes, that is a, a problem because the reason why I think a, a lot of African-American people are, uh, especially African-American women are so, um, what's the word? I wouldn't say against, but uh, that find it so distasteful is because people can put on um, black. You can dress black. You can wear makeup as though you're black. You can change your hairstyles to hairstyles that are um, that are um, worn primarily by African American people. And then when it's not cool any longer, when it's not a fad any longer, you just take it off and go back to being whatever uh, whatever your your race is. If you you go back to being white or you go back to being Asian or whatever that is, but African Americans can't take black off. You can't when it's not cool any longer. You can't take black off you know when especially when you're pulled over by the police you just can't take black black off you're you're, you're black you're african-american so you know you're going to be that 24 hours seven days a week is not going to change so that's the the issue that we're dealing with here is that people are taking the image of african-americans and utilizing it their own way to gain profits and gains and African-Americans after, you know, they've done, they have utilized it and moved on to something else that's cool. We're dealing with the repercussions of what they have placed into, um, into pop culture. That's the, the issue that a lot of individuals are having. And a lot of the images that you're seeing are heavily sexualized in a way. And African-American women don't feel like I want you to take my image, heavily sexualize that image, and then walk away from it when I'm dealing with the repercussions of it years after you've walked away from that image. So that's a big problem as well. Another issue is, you know, we all know what happened to rock and roll. You know, rock and roll was something that was created by Black people and um, old uh clubs, oh, speakeasies, <laughs> and it was taken over by, by white culture. It turned to rock and roll, turned to heavy metal, and it just is at a place where African-Americans don't even listen to rock and roll any longer, where it was something that actually came from African-Americans, and no one gave credit where credit is due. So that's another issue when individuals that come to come to a culture um 
take ideals from it and then make their money and never give credit where credit is due. So that's also a big problem that African-Americans have with people cultural appropriating African-American culture because you're not giving your credit. You know, there's been so many African-Americans that have not received credit for the things that they've created and not a holler, not a mention, nothing. And so we have to go back and read all this history just to find out who actually created. And then sometimes those individuals who created the thing that another race has come in and appropriated die broke. <laughs> you know, this is the sadness of it, you know, and um, and sometimes you see individuals wearing dreadlocks that are non-black or wearing braids and I've heard people, I, I don't know, I haven't had this experience myself, but I've heard that if you came to court and you had dreadlocks or you had cornrows in your hair, then you were not going to be seen that day. You needed to be wearing what was considered European aesthetics in order to be seen in court. You could not wear dregs, you could not wear your, your hair um in um cornrows you couldn't go in there with kinty cough on um african um african garb you have to go in there with a suit or a dress with your hair perm pressed um or cut very short or, or like have my hair cut and that's how you got seen that day by the judge and then years later there are people who are making lots of money, who are non-black, making lots of money because they are appropriating a fad, a style. Well, for them, it's a, a fad. It's just a style. But for us, it's something that we have to um, wear and to be proud of because that's something that was actually considered to be a bad thing um, before the maybe even in the 70s. You know, I don't think until maybe the 80s and our late 80s and 90s, when you start seeing people wearing um, uh, cornrows as a positive thing. I know back in the day was a movie called Tin and the actress, I can't remember the actress's name, but um, Tin and she had cornrows in her hair and this, you know, made it sort of mainstream cornrows um in that movie 10 <laughs> and the thing about it is is that that movie makes no mention to where that came that hairstyle came from there's no mention of uh, that it was african-american it came from african-american descent cornrows and people who have struggled to wear their hair at work the way that they would like to could not and then when uh, a white person wears their hair in the same fashion, then she's a 10. So that's the issue and the problems that people have. It brings up a whole lot of negativity when African-Americans see individuals taking, and really what it all boils down to is this, is basically stealing. It's someone who's non-Black coming in, stealing your culture, and then claiming it to be their own, making millions of dollars off of it, maybe even billions off of it, and leaving the people who created it basically broke. It's like a it's like a resurgence or a repeating of history 
with the, even the cotton gin was created by African-American men. And, um, and because he never, he died broke because he knew nothing about, um, he knew nothing about patents. So he didn't, he didn't know anything about patents. I mean, he's, he's a, he's a slave. <laughs> so some other person who's non-black, a white person came, you know, put a patent in for, for that creation and made millions of dollars. Probably if you were to look at how much money in terms of what the capacity of money is now, in terms of what that money equates to in this time period, maybe even billions that he made from the cotton gin. And never gave any credit to the person who created it, never gave him any money that I know about. So this is the same thing over and over again. When someone is stealing something from a culture, don't give it credit, don't recognize it, don't put money in the hands of the people who created it and move on as if it's theirs. And then after they have utilized it to death, then they move on to something different to continue making their millions. And basically, African-Americans are tired of it. Hey, this is the Business Talk segment of the show. My guest this week is Landon Campbell, a graduate from DePaul University in Chicago, Illinois. He served as the vice president of the DePaul University student body. He's also the co-creator of the In the Twenties podcast, which was created last year during the COVID pandemic. He says that in the 20s, in their 20s, is important because every student and young professional deserves access to the best advice and mentorship from the most influential people. Hello, how are you doing, Lyndon? That was a great intro. Nice to see you, DJ. (laughs) Yeah, man. So um, I'm just really going back and looking at your your website and also uh, previous episodes of your podcast i'm really impressed you know and i remember when i was in my 20s and i was in the military i was in the marines at the time and still trying to sort of figure my my way out of uh figure my way through um, about what i wanted to do and and how i saw myself but to to talk to someone who's you know already sort of got those things figured out that's just amazing Thank you. That really means a lot, DJ. And also, thank you um, for you know your service as a Marine. My father was also a Marine, so uh, oh, wow. really appreciate. Okay. Yeah, that's that's awesome, man. So you're there in Chicago. Yep, I'm located in Chicago right now. Uh, born and raised in Oakland, California. I've been here for the past uh, like five five and a half years, though. Okay, cool, man. That's great. I haven't been to Chicago before, but I definitely is one of the places that I have on my bucket list. <laughs> you got to visit. It's cold visit. Uh, during the winter, but the summers make yeah. it work. So come over the summer. <laughs> yeah, I have friends who actually live there, and they that's the first thing they said. They said it's great during the summer, but in the winter months, it gets pretty cold, and I take their word for it. But you know what? I think it really, uh, the, yeah, the cold bites you, and uh, it you know it's hard to get used to, but... Uh, I feel like it gives you a little character. So uh, yeah. I've, I've enjoyed living in the snow. We don't get much snow in California where I'm from. So it was a big mm-hmm. adjustment though. Yeah. Yeah. California is another place that I love as well. So I know you have had many influential people on your podcast. You mentioned a few of them to me when we talked before. And who are some of those individuals that you've had a chance to interview? 
Of course. Yeah, we've had some really, really big names on the show. Um, you know, the biggest that come to mind, we had Jason Calacanis, who is one of the most influential angel investors um, in history. He invested in Uber, turned mm. $100,000 into $100 million when everybody said Uber was a terrible idea. Uh, we had Beto O'Rourke, who ran for president, former congressman um, within Texas. Um, you know, we got to speak with him during the presidential campaign when he was going against Biden and wow. other um, candidates. So that was really great. Um, we had Tim Hardaway Sr., uh, the king of the crossover, who played against Michael Jordan. He's born and raised in Chicago, but uh, he would go on to become an all-star um, Olympic gold medalist, NBA player, I believe five-time all-star as well, I should add. Um, we had Ev Williams, the co-founder of Twitter, uh, one of the most popular uh, social media platforms yeah. um, in history. Mm -hmm. He grew up on a farm in Clarks, Nebraska and built this thing that everybody is familiar with from celebrities to athletes, to world leaders, to, um, you know, politicians. So everybody uses Twitter, including myself. Yeah, um, me too. Yep. And, um, and most recently, uh, we haven't shared this episode yet, but Steve Wozniak, the co-founder of Apple, started Apple in his 20s with Steve Jobs. Um, he was a lot of people say the brains behind Apple, you know, he developed the Apple one and Apple two computer for the first 10 ish years of Apple that were, was where all the revenue came from. So there would be no Apple obviously without their co-founder, but there would especially be no Apple without Steve Wozniak. No, no, it would not. And, you know, I think Steve jobs is, was amazing too, you know, rest in peace. But I think that, that I, you know, I have an iPhone right now, you know, yeah. I, I kind of go back and forth between Apple and Google, but, uh, but, you know, it just seemed like it's better because I have a, a Mac, uh, computer now. So I'm like, well, I want all my devices to all sort of speak to each other. My iPad speak to exactly. my iPad, speak to my iPhone and my iPhone speak to my Mac. So that's one of the great things about having, um, sort of, you know, when you're, sort of indoctrinated to to all these different devices you want to sort of kind of have them all talk to each other i totally agree um and that's something that was and jobs really stood for since the beginning they just want to make everything easier for the user mm -hmm. uh, was is still candid about that you know he um you know hates when technology is too complicated you know he wants the, the human experience to just be um you know easy um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. through technology through all these products he's still so, very critical on the company but uh you know he uh told me that he buys Samsung products sometimes just to try them out, but- uh, Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> so I read that you noticed so many friends and peers um, are searching for answers and um, about what they should be doing right now. And so what is it that you feel are some of the things that your peers should be doing right now? Yeah, that's a great question. And, you know, I love that you bring up this quote, you know, we started in their 20s to find those answers because a lot of our friends, classmates, peers, people we knew were just losing their jobs. Mm -hmm. It was the beginning of the pandemic, you know, right. the podcast. And we were graduating from college, Michael and I. We had our little PowerPoint graduation. I mean, times were different. And I know times are still very different, but, you mm -hmm. know, we wanted to find a way to help people. And, you know, after 50 interviews, Wozniak's going to be our 50th. Um, you know, after just hearing all these perspectives and stuff, um, I think that the uh, answers are never out there you know they're in you so what i mean right. is you need to try new things uh you need to not be afraid to take risks and um even if you know critics are saying that you shouldn't follow this journey shouldn't follow this passion you got to push through that mm -hmm. whether it's the restaurant 
mentors that we've interviewed, to the poets, to the entrepreneurs, to the athletes. At one point in their life, because I'm always trying to look for like common themes between every interview, they're all so different. But at one point of everybody's life, you know, they were told not to do something that they're doing right now, but mm-hmm. they followed their gut and they pushed through. Um, and that really helped people. And I think the second thing also, um, this is advice that I got before starting the podcast and advice that I kind of get from everybody. Execution is key. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can talk about doing this and doing that, and I have dreams to do this and I hope to be doing this one day, but you just got to do it. Mm-hmm. And I was in that place, you know, I, Michael and I, you know, we were talking about creating a podcast and like, it would be cool. And it was a conversation that would come up every now and then. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we spent a few months to brainstorm in their twenties, but someone came to me early and just said, uh, you know, start it, just start it. You don't have to have everything figured out, just start it and then start to create the path. Yeah. Just do it. Right. Exactly. I definitely agree with that. Execution is, is so important because talking about it and actually doing it are two separate things. You know, exactly. And so what I get from that, um, from your answer is that when it comes to what we should be doing is, you know, actually fulfilling and doing those things that we're talking about, not just talking about them. And then, you know, it it just being about talk, you know, make sure that you're actually, you know, so recent college graduates, you know, and because of the, the the pandemic, are finding it really a harder time finding a job yes. right now than I'm sure that I mean, it's not easy finding a job anyway, you know, when you're fresh out of college. But I know this pandemic has just added another level of difficulty um, from that. So what's the best advice you can give to recent graduates on how to find a job and find opportunities um, during this pandemic that we're having? Of course. Um, so I learned this while I was in college. Um, and I've spoken a lot about this uh, with people I've interviewed, but I got to live it. Um, I had 10 internships when I was in college. Wow, man, that's a lot. Yeah. And the reason why, because um, I know that sounds a little excessive, but the reason why is just because I'm such a curious person. Mm-hmm. Um, and I realized something early, and that's that companies hire storytellers. Yeah, um, what I mean by yeah. that is you need to try new things. You need to just do unique jobs. Um, you know, I was a public relations major, but I had marketing internships. Pub, uh, I had advertising internships, sales internships. I worked at huge companies, Fortune 500s that have been around forever. I worked at small startups that were like me and three other people. Um, I just think that you don't want to like stick too much on like this quote unquote um, I don't want to say path because, you know, obviously everybody is on a path, but I feel like mm-hmm. sometimes there's too much pressure to just follow in other people's footsteps or I have to be doing this and then I have to get this job and I have to get this promotion. I just think while you're young, you need to take as many different opportunities as possible. Um, mm. I think that's the biggest thing. So I will also add a disclaimer though. Yes. If you are a marketing person probably doesn't, I mean, I don't know, maybe I don't know the answer to this, but like, you know, I probably would be out of line if you're a marketing major to start taking cooking classes, unless like that's a passion. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> my point is, you know, you want to look for things that are kind of related, but, uh, mm-hmm. you know, you don't need to do marketing, 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 marketing. It's okay to mm-hmm. do marketing and explore different things. And, mm-hmm. you know, I learned that early, just like take advantage of different opportunities because by trying something new, you're going to create a story. You're going to create right. an experience and a story. And that's what you're going to be able to pitch to companies. 
Yeah, I I am a career coach, so I do find those individuals who um who say, well, I've been all over the place. I've done so many things outside of I have jobs and opportunities that I've taken part of that had nothing to do with my um degree or even um degree had nothing to do with their interest. So, um, and they said, well, I mean, I'm trying to get back to um, what I really want to do. And I feel like my resume is all over the place. And I, I always try to make sure they understand that every single experience that you had adds value towards what you want to do. Even though you may not can clearly see that path, there is a path there. And there isn't any experiences that don't add value, but you have to be willing to embrace them, you know? Totally agree. Yeah, no, that was really well said. So do you think people, um, so I, I do want to pivot a little bit because you are a uh, entrepreneur, yep. <laughs> which I, and I, and I, and I, I like that so much when I meet young entrepreneurs um, and, you know, sometimes before we become entrepreneurs, we have to work for others. Yes. You know, and but do you think people who work for others, um, what do you think people should do? Well, I guess my question would be, do you feel as though in order to become a good entrepreneur, you need to look for for no work for somebody work for someone work for someone before you do that? Do you see value in that? Yeah, totally. You know, I've um, before starting the podcast, um, I've worked for so many different people. Um, but I, I think that there is a, so, you know, you can be an entrepreneur and have a company or like a business, uh, you can work for yourself. Um, but like also just larger than that, um, you got to have entrepreneurial spirit. So mm-hmm. I could go the rest of my life, you know, like working for people, you know, I, there could be a version of myself where there's no podcast, you know, never business owner, but I, I would always have that entrepreneurial spirit. So what does that mean? That means just taking charge, um, taking lead, um, you know, being the last one in the room to speak as much leaders do, listen to others, finding ways to innovate and build. You know, you can do that at any other company. You mm-hmm. can do that in whatever you do in life. Um, you know, just being your own boss. Um, thinking of other ways, you know, you can be your own boss. You know, what time are you waking up in the morning? What are you working on? Um, are you building mm-hmm. a personal brand for yourself on social media? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you have control over your life. So I think right. that like, we all have an opportunity to be entrepreneurs. Um, right. It doesn't have to be an entrepreneur on paper. You know, we don't have to have companies. We don't have to, you know, be small business owners, but we can all be entrepreneurs because we can all have that entrepreneurial spirit, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. So like I, um, you know, like run my life like a business, obviously. Um, you know, I know what's going on constantly, um, you know, in building my network. You know, I know what's going in, what's going out. And, you know, I know like the people... I'm connecting with um and you know i know the things that i'm working on projects etc um you know that's really important i I think um you know just time management Mm -hmm. the confidence all of that really falls into entrepreneurial spirit and that's just a huge um you know skill to also bring to the workplace you know companies Mm -hmm. want to hire people who have that entrepreneurial spirit who want to wait around for you know need their hand held through different assignments and projects no you need to take charge and again, you don't need to do that as uh, you know a company owner. You can do that at a large company. You can be employee right. number one hundred and still take charge. Right, because I always say to me what I've learned. I'm working for myself, and also uh, being an employee. Being an entrepreneur has made me a better employee. 
So what are the first steps people should take to starting or creating their own company or their own brand? Yeah, mapping it out. Um, you know, I don't think you have to have all the answers to begin with, which I did not mm -hmm. have when I started the podcast and started these other uh, side ventures. But, um, you know, before we launched, you know, we spent like two months, um, you know, like com uh, compiling interviews, reaching out to people, you know, asking like, uh, you know, if they'd be interested in coming in the podcast, building the website, building the theme, just to put ourselves ahead. Um, so, you know, no matter like what I do in life and future projects, et cetera, I'm going to make sure like I know what's about to happen. You know, I'm going to anticipate uh, what that launch is going to look like. So mm -hmm. I'm never just going to have an idea tomorrow and like tell people about it the next mm -hmm. day. No, mm -hmm. I want to spend the time to map it out um, and understand, you know, logistically, how am I going to execute on this plan? Uh, but then right. you just have to do it. So then again, like that's going back to my first point um, earlier, you don't want to spend too much time doing this because then you're never mm -hmm. going to get started. Um, right. So again, like just start talking to customers, you know, start talking to people that, uh, about the idea, like, you know, would you purchase something like this? Um, you know, like start to find people to work with. Um, I, that's what I mean by planning it out, like actually executing uh, the day one steps before you actually launch it. Um, mm -hmm. That's like the biggest mm -hmm. advice that I have. And so how do you network in order to create new business for your company? Yeah, so um, that's a great question. Um, I've really, you know, like networked just by being someone um, that isn't always looking for, you know, like transaction. I think you want networking to be authentic. Mm -hmm. So I'm actually like, you know, actively curious about what people are working on. You know, like sometimes I'll organize conversations with people just to learn more about what they're working on. Uh, but then also like always look for ways to help them out or like, you know, like what can I deliver to you? Like, how can I help you grow? Mm -hmm. um, so you gotta be really giving in that sense. Um, you know, value networking it's a two-way street always it's what do you want from a person but then also like what can you give to a person um but i always think it's best to ask that second question first like what can mm -hmm. you do for the person right um, because if you approach someone with something that they need or want um then you know you're, you're in the front door um you earn someone's trust which is super important um and in the future you know when you are in need of something they'll be the first ones to you know think of you so i think right. that's important and just to add to that um yeah the podcast has been such a great way to network with people um so i, I love podcasts you know i think that uh not only is it such a great way to build your personal brand which is really important but mm -hmm. more, more people should start a podcast you know it's a great way to feel like a you know you're, you're a business owner you're starting something from zero and going to 100 uh, and you get to meet so many different people you get to network and whether you're interviewing or just having casual conversations on your show, whatever it might be. Um, and then also like there aren't many mediums where you have like 30 minutes to an hour of someone's undivided attention, um, the audience. So I think it's just a powerful way to connect with people right. uh, in the masses. So um, I and also want to include, you know, I started this podcast with um, my best friend, Michael, um, Michael Holmes, who, yeah. um, you know, I grew up, within college you know my roommate met freshman year uh we went from boys to men you know together uh we started this podcast together unfortunately he did pass away in april from a short battle with brain cancer um but i'm really just focused on keeping this going uh to honor his legacy and but, what did he mean to you to the um in their 20s um initiative your campaign and and um a little bit about um how can they support 
the donate from Michael campaign? Of course. Um, yeah. So Michael is in their twenties, you know, he will always be a part of in their twenties. Um, when I approached them with this idea early into the pandemic, um, which was just, you know, a casual conversation, you know, he jumped on it and said, yes, let's do it. He had no idea. I had no idea all the interviews that we would get, uh, the types of people that we would have on the show, the, um, this, the general community of following, you know, the global impact of our podcast. Um, you know, we never could have anticipated any of this, but we believed in each other and we knew that we were the guys that could do this with our past experience and just motivation to create something special. Um, so I just feel extra motivated to, um, again, continue this. Um, but it's it's for him, it's for him, you know, it's for Michael, it's for my friendship with him. It's for my partnership. Um, you know, my business partnership with Michael, um, it's for the times and days and weeks, uh, that we spent working on this together, dreaming mm -hmm. that one day we'd be interviewing someone like Steve Wozniak. Wow. So we're just going to keep this going for him. Um, mm -hmm. we'll always be a part of the podcast. Yeah, I'll definitely leave a link in the show description on uh, if you want to uh, support the uh, Donate for Michael campaign. And, and I've read several articles about him that's on your webpage. And I'll also leave that as well in Thank the um, in the show description. And how do individuals find you and reach out to you if they want to learn more about in their uh, in their 20s podcast and the initiative that you're you're doing so well? Yeah, I'm everywhere. Um, but, you know, if you really want to get a hold of me, um, I'd say Instagram. My Instagram is Landon, Landon, Landon. That's L-A-N-D-O-N three times. Um, Inther20s.com is the website for the podcast. Um, we have a podcast, social media following um, that's really great and large. So we're on Instagram at Inther20s or on Twitter at Inther20s, LinkedIn at Inther20s. Um, the nice thing about our social media pages is that we post like exclusive little golden nuggets, um, mm. you know, of our interviews, stuff that you can just listen to in the morning and start your day off the right way. Um, mm. Those are the platforms that, um, you know, I'd recommend people reach out to me. Um, you know, again, if you're looking for a personal conversation, check out my personal Instagram. Um, but then again, like all the in their 20s pages, um, you won't be disappointed. <laughs> yeah, I checked them out myself. And I, I really, you know, you want more, you know, because you have such great uh, images on your social media. So I'm like, Oh, wow, you know, this is great. You know, give us more, you know, <laughs> yeah, thank you. Appreciate that. So, uh, so thank you for joining me. And I, I definitely be tuning more into um, the in their 20s podcast. And I definitely want to be paying attention to you because I definitely think that I'll be saying great things from you as you start doing in their thirties, <laughs> you know, thank you so, so much, CJ. I really appreciate that. Welcome. That means a lot. You're welcome. In our effort to bring you inspiration, hope, and humor, we've come to the bright side of life segment of our show. And I was doing some thinking, um, actually this morning and I wanted to talk a little about a little about faith and Hebrews 11 and one actually says this, you know, everyone knows this. Well, I don't know if everyone knows it, but I'm quite sure m most people have heard this verse before from Hebrews 11, one, where it says now faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen. And what's so interesting about that verse is 
very rarely do the Bible give us a whole lot of definition, like, you know, blah, blah, blah is, you know, but they actually like faith is blah, 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 as though it's a definition. So it actually very clearly defines faith. And one thing that in order to have faith and, and, and the reason why I think this, this came up for me because I was thinking about wishful thinking and, and which I do not agree with wishful thinking. I believe that God loves you to have a plan, a clear plan. <laughs> and, um, but unfortunately a lot of people don't use their imagination. They don't have, um, they can't really forecast. They can't out picture. They can't vision. And vision is so important because you have to be able to to see beyond your eyes. I mean, eyes are important. I mean, you need to be able to cross the street. You need to be able to pick out um, the best food for your family. You know, eyes are really, really important. But sometimes we depend way too much on what our eyes can see. And it's important for us to be able to envision what we want in life and what we would prefer to have experience in life. So it has to be, you have to use something beyond your eyes. And um, we call it the sixth sense. You call it imagination, um, your third eye, your inner eye, your mind's eye. People call it these different things because they're trying to um, let you know that your eyes are very limited into what they can allow you to see. But this concept of faith and the definition of it, it's awesome. It explains the whole totality of the, of the idea. It's a substance. And you go, like, whoa, faith is a substance? A substance can get you locked up. A substance can get you <laughs> put behind bars for having the wrong kinds of substance. You know, in chemistry, there's a substance. You know, so, it, but it says that faith is a substance. And the substance is things that are hoped for. So the things that you hope for is an, a substance. Now, what that substance is could be, um, could be a lot of different things. I mean, you can go into science and say that science is, you know, we have dark matter, what science don't really understand. You know, so that could be a substance, you know, uh, faith, imagination can be a substance. So it's actually quantifying. This verse actually quantifies that the things that you hope for is something that's quantifiable. And then it goes on to say that evidence of things not seen. So if something is not seen, what what's evidence? <laughs> what evidence are you talking about? So, but the evidence is is this the outpicturing, meaning that if you're hoping for something, that substance, whatever it is, will perform the evidence of the things that were not seen before. So even this this verse is so profound that it actually talks about the past and the future the substance and the things that are being hoped for, and then the evidence of the things not seen. So if you have some, so what is the evidence? The evidence is eventually the things that are hoped for actually showed up 
which before wasn't seen. So a very profound um, verse. And I have meditated and contemplated on this verse many times because faith is so important, but not wishful thinking. It's just not the same thing. Wishful thinking and faith isn't the same thing. As I always say, God loves a plan. <laughs> so tell me your thoughts on faith and what you've gotten out of that verse. And has it inspired you? Has, you know, has faith worked for you? Has wishful thinking worked for you? Do you believe in creating a plan? So um, you can always reach me at dj at djcareercoach.com. You can always uh, leave me a comment or you can also uh, write a comment in the comment section. I'm on YouTube. I am on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, um, Spotify, and in many other platforms I am on. You can always shoot me an email at dj at djcareercoach.com. So that's our show for this week. I'm so happy you stayed to the end. I want to thank Landon Campbell for being our guest this week. I will leave his information in the show description and also a link to the Donate for Michael Holmes. If you'd like to support his Donate for Michael Holmes um, campaign, I will leave my links down in the the show notes as well to my social media and and uh just remember remember to subscribe and like and comment and leave a review and i always reply back to individuals who leave me comments and suggestions so feel free to do that i'll reach back around to you to say hello or i appreciate that comment (laughs) until next week take care